0: I'm here to help you be most successful in your healthcare practice and turn it into a business. Cheers. Thanks for coming. Hello, my name is Jerry Durham. Welcome to What's Best for the Patient is Best for Business podcast. This is the interview series, doing it and helping others. Enjoy. All right. Welcome back to the What's Best for the Patient is Best for Business podcast, and we're in the I'm doing the interviews uh, currently, and I'm really excited to be in the middle of this um, interview series, the Doing It and Helping Other series. This has been some great conversations with people, and I'm very excited about my next guest for this series. And it's Kate and Sarah from Full Draw Consulting all the way out in Seattle, where I used to be so close to, and now I can't be further away from. So how are you ladies doing? Can I say ladies? Sorry. So, yes, good. You can. good. And I've already said it. How are you both doing today?
1: We're
0: good. Awesome. Awesome. I am excited to learn more about you guys because I see so much of your content online. I see what you guys are doing to help other people start their businesses. And I'm always interested in clicking on your stuff and to see what you guys are doing. And I I want to learn and yet I'm going to be excited for other people to hear about what you all are doing. So welcome to the show and I'm going to let you guys uh Take it from here and uh, so everybody can learn more about you all and what you've been doing and who you're helping these days.
2: Great. Well, I'm Dr. Sarah Heron, and um, I own a practice in Seattle, Washington called Aerophysical Therapy. So that's how I um, sort of have made my mark in in the physical therapy world before getting involved with Full Draw Consulting.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can go too. I'm Dr. Kate Blankchain. I have a practice actually in Chicago and the North Chicago suburbs, Rally Physical Therapy, um, which has been open for about three and a half, almost four years now. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so um I guess we'll talk a little bit about our journey uh into how we started our practices first, because that's what happened before we even met each other. Um I went to the University of Washington for physical therapy school and that's in Seattle and graduated in 2007. So it actually took me nine years of practice before I decided to start my own business. And it was really, you know, that's kind of the typical story for a lot of people is that I um, really wasn't happy in the profession anymore. and. Thought I'll just be done actually, and that was the last. That was the last ditch effort to stay in physical therapy. Was well, I'll just do it for myself and by myself. Um, and so I did that, and I opened in 2016. So um, Arrow actually just is about to celebrate its five year birthday.
1: <laughs>
0: Congratulations!
1: Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Thanks
0: making it to five years. Right, is supposed right. to be well heck, making it to year one, right? But making it to year five is even a huge amount. Let me clarify real quick, Sarah. I'm always interested because I I think about my journey. What things were you doing for those nine years? I mean, were you in different settings? Were you an outpatient the whole time? What were you
2: doing? I was mostly an outpatient. Um, I worked at about three different clinics um, in that time frame. And I was, you know, I had found different ways to keep my interest throughout the years. I had taught in the PT department at UW. Um, I had taken lots of students. I had gotten my manual therapy certification. Right, I, I got my OCS. I did all of those things to kind of like work my way up the chain in, in the practices that I was in. Um, I had been a, a supervisor, a clinical supervisor in the settings I'd worked in. Um, and I was, I was fairly happy as an employee. Most of the time, I just was like burnt out on healthcare, you know, and I, um, I assume that a lot of this is my personality, but I end up even now with those patients that are very um, draining, we'll say, <laughs> those, those lifers. Right. And I have a couple specialties that led toward that. And I think I just was like, I just, I just don't want to do this anymore.
0: Well, you're saying you still have those patients. So you don't <laughs> want to right. do <laughs> it. You, well, hold on. I want to clarify it. Cause I think this is important. You didn't want to do it in the environment and in the structure that people were saying you had to do it in. Right. Is that
2: yeah. Well, and a lot of that and a lot of folks face this and and we can talk about this more later, but a lot of it is that I was working with patients who, per the model I was working in, were not medically necessary for physical therapy.
0: Yeah, right. Which so, is interesting. Yeah, that is an interesting conversation. And so
2: it's falling on me. To justify why they were still there and then have those hard conversations with them and then like have conversations with my my employer about why they're still on my schedule and all of that stuff. Right. But then, yeah, I thought I, I thought that they would not follow me, but they did. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> but now yeah, interesting, right? Yeah, cool.
2: yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of like how I ended up in that Um, private practice world. It was really just a reaction to wanting to do something differently or be done altogether. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, kind of my story, but I feel like I'm actually also the opposite. Right. I know. Because I think, so I graduated PT school in 2016. So the same year you started to practice. Um, And so I, straight out of PT school, I worked in a very high volume, kind of one of your standard traditional high-volume outpatient orthopedic clinics where kind of all the new grads worked. I did that for about a year. And I had actually switched careers to become a PT. So I had been in educational publishing. I was an English major in college. I went back to school to take my science classes. I went to Northwestern's PT school. I graduated in 2016. That was the job that was available to me. And it seemed like a good fit. And within a year, I was kind of like why did i do this like, <laughs> like why did i make this change it didn't fit like i am an introvert being with patients in patient care all day every day was draining um and i also just was really frustrated by seeing how many patients i was seeing calculating like how much money i'm bringing in and what i'm taking home and constantly fighting to get that bonus at the end of the year which didn't really seem Worth it. And I think after that first year, I was just like, I'm going to work for myself. And I didn't know what it was going to look like. And I actually didn't plan on opening a practice. I went back to my educational publishing career. I started freelancing for them. And then I just basically rented space out of a CrossFit gym on the side where I was like, there's no pressure. I'm going to see as many patients as I can, as many as I want to see. I really thought it was going to be three patients a week. And I would license. I would keep my license, see three patients a week, be happy with it, feel like I was doing something productive, have my kind of writing career on the side. And then it took off. And so now I'm back in BC full time. Um, But I think that that was actually really important. That like, I started with no pressure on it, where I was just like, I know what I don't want to do. Mm -hmm. And then, this is the model that I need to be in and I have no idea where it's going to go or who's going to see me, but that's just where I started. And I had that kind of safety net of another career. And then I just went where that <laughs> followed.
0: <laughs> right. lots, of, lots of stuff there. Um, I want to ask you a couple follow-up questions. How long, by the way, you're only the second English major I've met that went into PT school. The first one was that's in okay. the class like, 20, 29 years ago. It was the only time I'd ever heard of any. Very rare. Yeah,
1: that's rare.
0: (laughs) When you just said that, I was like, oh my God, find me a second one 20 some odd years ago. Mm
1: -hmm. Which is funny because it actually really helps me now in owning a practice and doing this coaching and consulting because I am better at the content, right? Like all these people trying to write blog posts or do their marketing materials or like all of these things that PTs don't know about because you're not trained in that. You're trained in anatomy, physiology, kinesiology. Like you don't remember how to write an essay, right? You're like, how to do these things? And we're expected to put out content all the time. And you're like, this is not what I'm good at. So it's been a very strange way to mix those two careers. But I'm now at a point where they do work together in a way
0: that's cool. That's cool. Hey, I I want to know this too. So when you decided, I'm curious about this. So you're working, you decide to go back, right? You got to take the prereqs again so that you can apply. How long did it take for you? How long were you back at school to get all the prereqs?
1: Two years where I was doing night classes, basically. So I was working full-time, still in my job. I took those classes at night. I finally quit to freelance, which I was really lucky that my job was this flexible because I could be full-time, then I could freelance while I did those intensive summer programs where you're in Chem 101 for three months, and then you're done. Oh, my so three-
0: yeah.
1: God. <laughs> and then sure. applied to Northwestern early and then made the switch. Yeah.
0: And then so, okay, let me just catch this up. Two years, yeah. you apply to school, you get in. Mm-hmm. So then you got three years there. No, two years? Three years.
1: Three years at Northwestern. Three years.
0: Then you get out, you work 12 months, Yep. Approximately,
1: right? Basically, a year before <laughs> I decided, yeah.
0: And then you went back to the, um, the writing?
1: Yes. So At the same
0: time, you got space
1: in the gym? Basically, yeah. So I quit my job. I was basically like, I just need to be done. And so I <laughs> yeah. had reached out to my old job asking if I could do some freelance work. So that happened about the same time, but I didn't have a plan in place. Yet. I didn't know where I was going to go, I didn't know what space I was going to be in. I didn't know anything about my model. I, I didn't know anything other than I needed to do something different. So I quit that outpatient job, started freelancing, and then I started to figure it out. Yes.
0: So that was roughly 18,
1: 2018? That was 2017. 17, yeah. okay. oh, 2017. Uh, by the way, math,
0: math is not my strong point, <laughs> And we'll have a discussion offline about English.
1: It's <laughs> a, a short
0: my, very, my relationship yeah. yeah, yeah. I would say English is my second language. Um, <laughs> yeah. So okay. So now we. All right. So now you're out in a gym, Sarah. You had started. Air, what was the name of your? What was the name of your business, Kate?
1: Rally there. Oh, rally at that point. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay.
0: I didn't know if it was still like Kate the PT the- and. <laughs>
1: Basically, it felt like that. Yeah. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> Yeah. Cool. 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 So, um, so what hap, How do we, where does the road come together for you two?
2: Right. So, so I did my, my opening was the opposite of that in that my only model being um, out of school longer was this like clinic. You have to have, a if you're going to have a business, you have to have a clinic. I had no concept of this idea of like starting small (laughs) at all um, or like renting space somewhere or subletting. Right. So I did the whole like take out a loan, start a practice, like brick and mortar. I actually had planned on taking insurance because that's what my patients were used to. And in Washington, our reimbursement isn't terrible yet. Um, But I couldn't get in network with certain companies. And so then I was like, well, screw that. I guess I'll just go cash. Um, And then like, you know, the same thing. It was like, well, I I have nothing to lose at this point, except that I just signed a seven-year lease. So (laughs) I don't know where I had the risk tolerance for that and like surprise myself when I think about that. But, um, so yeah, I was just like plugging away, working, 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 and people started to contact me, um, just email, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, asking like, Oh my gosh, you have a cash practice and you're in this, you're in a, like a setting you're like doing. And I treat sitters, So that's like, cool. You know, it was that really um, interesting model that people were Mm -hmm. seeking. And so I just started to get basically emails and I just started meeting people over zoom or for coffee. There happens to be a brewery across the street from my clinic. So we go get a beer and then I realized I needed to start charging
1: people yeah. for those conversations. And that's <laughs> where came, right. Right. So, and that's how Kate so Sarah had been doing the coaching and I actually, now wait
0: real quick, Sarah, when did you start basically the conversations about 18, 19,
2: uh, like 17, 18, like okay. really, really in, and it was still just under arrow. Like I didn't have like right. this coaching consulting wow. business. It was like, Oh sure. I guess I'll schedule you in. Right. Right, right, right. But I need to start mm-hmm. charging. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. here
0: comes, here comes your new, here comes your new Zoom right. call this week.
2: Right. Here's my new consulting call.
1: Right. <laughs> Kate, right.
0: Here's Kate. Right. And we're, and how far along were you in your journey, Kate? I'm just curious. I want to keep all this kind of moving yeah. this forward. Yeah. It's right
1: good right for now. us too. <laughs> well,
0: I? and it's, I think it's interesting. Again, I think people need to hear. Right. We've got this nine year history. We've got this. Um, really different. You, history. By the way, you may or may not have said what I'm about to say. I'm fucking done with this, right? A year twelve months later, right? (laughs) You know, and so and how it all comes together. I think this is I think this is really good for people to hear and understand, right? It doesn't matter where you are. And then I just just want people to understand then how you guys came together.
1: Yeah, Yeah. And I think for me what's interesting is I know a lot of people approach us now wanting to start a cash practice or like looking to start out. And when I actually found you, so I had been following Arrow on Instagram actually right. for a while, and I didn't know that you were doing coaching. I didn't know you were consulting. But wasn't my, advertising. It wasn't an advertisement. <laughs> yeah, and my employee Heather actually came to me. So I had been in practice for about a year at this point, year and a half. This was 2018. Um, I had just hired. I had now had two employees. I was still working in the CrossFit gym. Um, That was getting to be very difficult because we had a lot of volume at that point. Being inside a gym space wasn't working. Um, And I was at this crisis point where I was just like, we were succeeding. We had a ton of patients. Like Financially, we were doing fine. But the relationship with the gym was kind of going south. I was like, I need a new space. And I was just terrified. I didn't know what to do. I hadn't opened as a brick and mortar clinic. Right. and So I had just been following your clinic on Instagram. And then one day Heather came and I was kind of mid-breakdown of what do I do? Um, And she was like, well, I've heard Sarah at Arrow actually does consulting calls. So that was when I sent you an email, um, (laughs) which was probably the easiest coaching call you've ever done because I was kind (laughs) of like... I found this space. The rent will be less than I pay now in the CrossFit gym. I have all these patients and I have a new employee. Do I you hate think working I should, at this CrossFit gym. Do you think <laughs> I should move in? right? And, you're and I was like, like do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That'll
2: be $200. <laughs> next, next
1: call. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so then we had a couple of coaching calls. Um, And then over time, I think I learned more about your Model and the cash model, which I actually didn't really know anything about. I have one insurance contract. So directly. just
0: for yeah, just for context, in rally before you contacted Sarah, were yeah. you in network with everybody? Is that what you're? Doing?
1: And we're not everybody. So we've always had one contract with Blue Cross, and that's it. Um, and
0: so and so were you one contract,
1: did, cash for everybody else?
0: Okay, and it was cash for everybody else. So if they mm-hmm. called, you asked them, blah blah blah. How do you want to pay? If they had Blue Cross, you went cool or network and if not here's your price is that basically it Mm yeah Cool. cool yeah Yeah. good
1: so we had started to talk more about like i found out about the course that sarah was teaching for institute clinical excellence
0: yeah we gotta make sure we drop that back up a little bit
1: yeah drop that
0: into the story i just want to make sure but you were working with sarah
1: so uh, i was working with sarah i found out about that course and we just started talking about it more and at that point the course was called out of network step by step yeah And I think I kind of took offense at that. I was like, okay, like we can start practices without being fully cash and they can still be high quality. We can treat the patients. (laughs) One-on-one. We can do all these things and it doesn't have to be cash. And so we had all of these, Arguments really back and forth. Kind of, yeah. About do you need to take cash? Can you take an insurance contract? And then I kind of approached you and I was like, I think we need to add something to that course that is more inclusive of people accepting insurance and it's not all bad. And you can be selective about it. You can be thoughtful about it and you can still run a quality practice and take insurance. So that was where I came on board with that course. Yeah. And we changed, we totally redid it. Um, and now that course is through. Full draw when we so, like, once that course changed, changed? Yeah. that was when together we started doing more of this coaching, adding more course yeah. content. And it just became clear
2: work. that we needed to offer something that was a little, yeah,
0: bit. no, that's cool. I, I like hearing that. Let's back it up just a Scotian. When did you officially start the ICE program, Sarah? So, the Institute of
2: Clinical um, Excellence,
0: I did think it was like
2: that? early 18.
0: Okay. Yeah. You did the out-of-network course. That's and it was, pop- was it not popular? No, it was super
2: popular. That's yeah, sort of, yeah. popular. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because I, I met Jeff mostly to talk about my clinical specialty, which is hip management. So We just were talking about orthopedics and then I um, took the, their clinical management of the fitness athlete course and started, I think just in my homework was talking about my own practice and so it was clear that like that was um gonna be a popular topic. But I thought it. I was like, I don't want to teach a class, I don't know what I'm talking about. Like I like I have no business telling other people how to do this. Um, but as you know, like there's just such a demand for people to learn how other people have done it. And the the basics of that class was like all the legalities and logistics and stuff, but then most of it was just conversations about. Like how this had developed and and once we got on the topic of it's okay to take a, an insurance contractor more than one, it, it really did open up like it made it less um offensive to people that like insurance could be involved because it's there's such a stigma of like you can't be a quality practice if you decide to be in network, and by challenging that, so many more folks were able to just like let that that stress go. And then lo and behold, a lot of patients like actually do want to use their insurance. So then the practices potentially were more successful in that model. So it worked out really well. I think like we do have such a different background and we still, our practices are very different, but in a lot of ways, they're not really that different because the clientele are getting the same experience. So,
0: and it's good to hear. I want to, that, that actually, I want everybody to stop this. Roll us back like 15 seconds and hear the last thing that Sarah just okay. said, right? Which, as you were building up to this, right, talking about pair model and then saying, but it really, our practices aren't any different because of the experience. Because everybody, right? And this is, we um, don't have to go too deep into this. But, you know, I hate when people start, yeah, I'm, I'm looking to start a cash practice and I'm like, oh, I really don't fucking care until I know who you're going to serve and where you're going to serve them and what you're going to do. Right. Like, no, Nobody, nobody... Nobody starts a business outside of healthcare and says, I think I'm going to start a business. I'm going to take credit cards. I think I'm going to start a business. I think I'm going to take Bitcoin. Right? And I'm like, why do we do this? Right? And so, okay. and I love the fact you just said that. So I want everybody to really go back and hear the lead into to Sarah saying that. It didn't matter because of the experience they were doing. For the people you were serving. That's all that matters. And that's we- figure out right yeah go on Kate
1: that's one of the first conversations that we have now with people taking our startup course because it used now, to wait be... a minute what's
0: it is this like the base course tell me so this
1: works. is our basic course yeah so this what's is what's it called start a PT practice 101 start a PT <laughs> yeah hold on so,
0: hold on wait a minute start yeah. a PT practice 101 start
1: okay. a PT <laughs> practice 101 and so that is now very intentional that it used to be called out of network and now it is called Start a PT Practice. And in our first conversations with our students in that course, we're asking them, why do you want to start this practice? And we let them get it all out. And some people say, I don't want to take insurance. I don't want to do that the headache of paperwork. And we're like, okay, that's fine. But what do your patients actually want? And if those reasons don't match up, you're not going to advertise to your patients that you don't take insurance (laughs) because that's not what they want to hear. Like that can be your bottom line is that you are fed up with paperwork and you need to do that model for yourself. But that cannot be what we use to advertise to our patients about why they're coming in because often it will be more expensive. So it's okay. It's okay if that's what you want to start a cash practice, but that should not be the first thing you're saying. Like you said, Jerry, like nobody goes into it. And like, you shouldn't just say, I want to start a cash practice. It should be, I want to start a quality physical therapy clinic. And then what payment model do I use? What practice model do I have? What type of space do I want to be in? And we ask all those questions Mm -hmm. and you need to actually be thoughtful about each of those responses. It's not just, I want to start a cash practice. Right.
2: Because too many of those answers end up being like, well, I don't want to take insurance and this is why it's better for you. And then they.
0: Yeah. Isn't that interesting?
2: And it makes it seem so desperate. It's like, well, the patient didn't even ask you that. I'm they like, have you, ever
0: been, yeah, have you ever been on the, you know, I want to put those people on the other end of the phone and it hearing because <laughs> you're like, it's very uncomfortable.
2: Very like I didn't even ask you how I was going to pay. I just want to know if you treat hip impingement. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and you don't need a speech about it either. Like sometimes. there's No elevator asking, speech. How do I pay? And it's, I think we get this buildup in cash practice that that is the focus of our conversation. And that's not the focus of the conversation to the patient.
0: By the way, by the way, it's everybody just Kate, just I agree with you 130%. And so I listen, I got to throw this in. I want this to be about you guys, but I want to back this up because I love how we're having, you know, hearing you guys say this, right? Wanting to learn more about this. This is why, you know, I like what you guys are doing. And this is why I want more people to find you guys, right? I have my biases and beliefs. They just happen to line up with yours very well. So let's find the same people. Um, is I listen to these, right? So I listen to a boatload of phone calls, right? As part of what I'm doing. And so I get to hear that two-way conversation, the person in the clinic, the person calling the clinic, right? I want to do business with you. You want to hear people. They get to the, do you take my insurance? What's the cost going to be? Even when it's appropriate to bring it up and people just start spewing all (laughs) the stuff you just said about Kate. And I'm like... Shut up. Well, and I want to go... I almost time and go. How long before then they finally go to the person, right? Because they say it without asking, they say it without context or anything, and um, it's really interesting. And uh, I don't know. I, I guess what do you think? Are we? Are we, is it just being in the system? Why do we do this?
1: And we and I think it is being coached sometimes it because people think that they need to justify their model. And what we coach people is silence, like it. Give an answer, <laughs> And now you're going to be quiet and let them digest that information and decide if they can afford it. But I think we feel this guilt as PTs where we're in the business of helping people and it's hard for us to accept money a lot of the time. And that is what we coach people out of is like, you need to get paid for what you do. But I think when we're asking for cash, a lot of times PTs feel this need... To justify it. And so as soon as they say it'll be $160, whatever it is, then they start explaining why it's worth yes. that much money because you you feel bad. I don't like it's this PT thing that I don't think it other PT professions <laughs> have. But it's this justification that immediately comes out. And we see it in new patient emails too. It's not just the phone calls. Jerry, yes. like I'm sure you see these emails too, where it's a templated email, and you explain in the first line. Wow. Our cost is this because we're out of network and because you're going to... Uh, we're going to save you money. And blah, 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 all of these blah, things. Blah. And I think that is this habit that we've gotten into that we really need to break. Yes.
0: Oh, that's so awesome. I love to hear you guys um, talking about this and being that focused so early on in these people's journey with you. That's but awesome.
2: I think it's important that in the class, in the very first meeting, like Kate said, We let them all like vent to each other because this stuff is important to us. And we have the reason they're getting coached on it is because there's a demand for justifying like why we feel like this. And so we're all talking to each other like, yeah, this sucks. Right. And so it's like, okay, cool. It sucks. Now, your patients do not care about that. They are not coming to see you because you're burnt out. And they don't want to hand you money because you're tired of doing paperwork. They don't care. So yeah, (laughs) Yeah, out of your system, you're allowed to feel that way. But that's not why your patients are coming to see you. They're certainly not typing in like insurance based or cash practice based. Right. Right.
0: right. Right. You guys are kinder than I am. So that's cool. cool. There's one there's one point for you beyond me. It's like, yeah, because by the time I get to it, I'm like, you got to get the fuck out of yourself. Right. It's like, right. Who are we serving? And um,
2: but I do think it's a habit. And I do think that it's been villainized. Insurance models have been so villainized that you kind of feel like a dum-dum if you're going
1: to take insurance. So if you're like. Right. Well, I think it's like Sarah and I have talked about this, like this new wave of PT practices that are being Mm -hmm. formed are a reaction to that traditional insurance model. And so I think we feel like we have to do this complete 180 flip, where it's like I didn't like working in an insurance-based traditional high volume all these clinics, but then you think you have to do this full flip of totally reinventing the wheel. I love, yeah, I I agree. Right, you don't need to. And so we distinguish between like high volume corporate clinic and insurance-based clinic because those things don't need to be lumped together.
0: I, I like that. So just. So you just said, I want, I want to say this again. This is a good point. I like that. Is the difference between an insurance-based clinic versus a high-volume corporate clinic. And just for clarification, you're saying people confuse that they mash those up together when actually they're not in
1: Yes. I think they're burned out working in these high-volume outpatient corporate clinics. And then they see this cash-based model and they think that that's the solution And so they're kind of set up in opposition to each other where it's corporate or cash based. And you miss this whole middle ground of practices that are doing things differently, but they might also accept insurance. And those practices are doing well and patients are happy there too. (laughs) They are.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I love how you break that down. I, I do want to mention this just for context for anybody listening to this and for you guys, you know. It was interesting because the way I got to where I am today was going out of network, three offices, mall, you know, 15, 20 employees going out of network like now, which would have been like 15 years ago, right? And it was survive yeah. or close. And we went out of network in this whole thing, right? By the way, which, and we're not going to go any deeper than this, but just the context of, yes, I did this. So we took insurance, right? And we continue to grow and thrive and strive 15 years ago on an out-of-network model because, again, it was about the experience and getting to know those people on the other end of the phone better. And then saying, right, how do you want to pay for this? Sure, we take your insurance, blah, blah, blah. Um, yet, what, what I want to just, I'm not going to dwell on it too much, even though obviously I will. Um, the biggest detractors and the biggest naysayers were fellow visible. Okay. You can't do that. And so I went looking for help. We went out a network. I was like, uh, right? Where's my start, my PT? Where's my start, my out of network from, right? And which was like 15. It was nothing. So I'm looking everywhere I can in the PT profession. Everybody I asked either said, you can't do it or it won't work. I was like, thank you very much. Click, right? And by the way, those were all noted. But, and then we went to the business world. I mean, that, that, that's where I started getting my business education. The only way we could have made it was to go to the business world. And I was like, Hey, wait a minute. Right. This is more doable than I thought. It's just about right? having better conversations, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, it's interesting because that's where my, that's my journey shit 10 years in network. Hey, we're going out of network. All right, let's do this.
1: Yeah. Clinics,
0: all these people. Right. So I was like, yeah, what, what a learning. But I love your guys' insight because I agree. Just so everybody knows my context when I'm hearing you guys, because I agree and I love the way you guys are helping to manage that conversation. I love what you said, Kate, about separating out that that's, that's perfect about separating out the insurance based versus high volume corporate. Those are not right. They can be, they can be separate. They happens many times to come together, but it doesn't mean they can't be separate mm-hmm. on that. So who are you guys helping these days? Who are the people coming into this program?
2: Yeah. So again, this really kind of got um, more popular through teaching the courses through ICE. We we had a, a great platform that way and we're able to reach a lot of people. And I think what's interesting is that like you, I I had never thought like I want to start a practice. I didn't want to like have... I was happy working for other people and being a PT for a while, but now people are actually going to school thinking when I get out, I want to start my own practice. Yeah. We do have, we kind of actually have this whole spectrum of folks who are um, burnout. They've been in practice for a long time. They're ready to start their own thing, or they've already started their own thing. And they're like, Oh, I want to make sure that I've done this right all the way to folks who are students even or just getting out of school or a couple years out who are ready and have been thinking about this for a long time
0: you guys have some pt students in your program
2: we've had a couple in the
0: i think it's great i think it's great it's a great resource um people because i've had people reach out who are still students i'm like i don't even know where to send you i don't even know where to start the conversation
1: because they wanted
0: they knew they were like it was like
1: yeah, lacking. yeah. yeah. And, and I think I mean, that's what's interesting is like most of our clients are it's kind of this weird thing where they want to start a business but they're not the type of people who would have thought they wanted to start a traditional PT clinic it's almost yeah, right. like these people who yes. feel like they're being forced into it because they want to do things differently Different. but they really like we talk about this a lot like wanting to work for yourself or wanting to own a business and I think People make distinctions between that a lot. And actually, we get a lot of people who are starting where all they want to think about is being self employed. Yeah. Right. Where they're just like, a business sounds overwhelming. And Jerry, I think you said this too like, it just seems like a lot and you don't think you're ready for it. And so I think those are kind of our ideal first clients where they're like, I just want to work for myself. And I don't, a business sounds overwhelming. I don't know the first thing about it and i don't want it. <laughs> we want to be like that entry point where it's like it's easier than you think you just need to have the right mindset and have the right conversations and you might take insurance and you might not but it's not so overwhelming you don't need this huge loan you don't need a brick and mortar space you don't need all of these things that you might have thought you did and then start there and then over time it might grow that they're looking to hire or they want to scale yeah. or they want to move into a brick and mortar space and then we help them along that journey but I think most people start with us mm-hmm. when they're just like, I want to work for myself and treat patients how I want to treat them. But I don't
2: know yeah. the first thing about yeah. starting
1: a business. Well,
2: and unfortunately, I think that 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 we need to celebrate that a little bit more because what then we at least see in some of the other coaching out there is like it's not a real business if you're merely working for yourself. Like, well, it for sure is. And if that's what you wanted, then that's fine. And you don't need to be intimidated by this idea that you're not doing enough because you didn't want to start this big business. But actually, most of those people that we've started with what a year or two years ago? Now they're like hiring and they're moving into bigger spaces, mm-hmm. and they've over time they've like grown into this naturally, which makes them so much more successful because they're not forcing these elevator speeches down people's throats, and they're just like more authentically doing it the way that works for them and their patients.
1: Yeah. And most people say I never want to hire. Most of the people that we work with, we I said that <laughs> they say I never want to hire. I never want to grow this business. And then we talk to them in two years when and we're they're like we're ready to, to hire, hire you. yeah. <laughs> and then. They hire that employee and then they're like, oh, maybe I should take a step back from patient care. Uh-huh. Maybe I should be working on my business and not just seeing patients. And that happens over time gradually. But it's because they put the work in at the beginning, treating right. patients how they wanted to, that now they're at that point. But most people come to us saying, I just want to work for myself.
2: I just want to see 10 patients. I'm never right? going to hire. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I just need to figure out how to do that. And then down the road, they usually do. Yeah. But we like that starting point. Yeah, that's that's our favorite
0: I love it. So how long is your Start a PT business 101 course? Is it Start a PT Business 101? Is that what it was? Did start I a practice. Word?
1: start of PT Practice 101. And start of yeah. PT
0: Practice 101. Yeah. How long how long is this course?
1: It's eight an weeks. Eight week yeah. course. It's all online. Um, and we start each course after the last one. So it's basically On continuous. Um, and it's all online, live Zoom meetings once a week, and then homework that is designed to help you start your practice right so your homework is getting your llc doing the logistics
2: right. writing things up for us
1: to look at so it's very much like by the end of eight weeks you are ready to start mm-hmm.
0: yeah. you know what freaks me out most about that eight-week course if i was enjoying it tomorrow there's a goddamn english major in there looking at my- yeah
2: you know what freaks me out yeah
0: <laughs> i was like holy wait a minute she's an english major. i'm not taking this every course
2: mm-hmm. yeah
0: i'm like oh here we go again english class all over boy you want to talk about bad triggers Oh my
2: God.
0: <laughs> No, that's awesome. And then you guys have other programs. What are you guys doing? What, what we have a second
2: course? It's um like our advanced course and it's called Grow Your Practice. Uh-huh. And that is for folks who are, you know, looking like you said, like moving to a new space, a brick and mortar space, um, hiring. Um like maybe figuring out how to increase revenue. We actually like individually look at their practices at this point, usually.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a bit of a smaller, it's a smaller course, group. usually a small group, kind of a mastermind type program, mm-hmm. um, but it's people who've already established their practice and they just want to take it to the next step. Mm-hmm. Whatever that looks like. Whenever that is. Yeah. So let just, Oh, go
0: well. on.
2: sorry. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say that's eight weeks as well. So the structures of the classes are very similar.
0: Cool. So let's just clarify a couple of things. So practice, model, idea—what you're thinking you want to do—doesn't matter for your program.
2: No,
1: no.
0: Uh, uh, when I say practice model, I mean clinical. Sorry, right? I'm mm-hmm. I mean, oh, right, right. in a space, yeah. right? So that doesn't matter. Payer source—I think we sussed that out. Payer source does not matter, right? No, right. Yeah, cool. We
2: are like Medicare. We cover what they need to know. Right. Oh, good. Good.
0: So you guys. Yeah. So that's good. So. So it's it's an education about the different types of data sources. Right. Right.
2: And then we both do it differently so we can give them some feedback. Ah, yeah.
0: And I really I really like that. I like that idea. That's great. And um, is there anything I hate to ask this, but is there anything after the second course Or are you guys just those people basically come into a group and they keep working with you?
2: Most of the time at that level, people are doing one-on-one or really it's two-on-one consulting with us. Yeah, right. Cool,
0: Cool, yeah. yeah. And it's nice to have those progressions. And I think people, I personally believe, if they see the start, let's get through the eight weeks, let's get you going. And if they see a bump up, um, I had this discussion yesterday with someone about the people who got you here might not be able to get you to the next step, but if people can see what Mm -hmm. those steps look like, then 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 they know what they're working towards right and i think that's really important um, yeah. so that's awesome what else hey um kate you said you're from Ch- Did you say chicago right i was going to say illinois but i just wanted to make sure and now yeah. where you live
1: in chicago so i'm here for the weekend for sarah's 5 year anniversary of arrow. Yeah. you
0: go. Because all of a sudden it hit me. Yeah. It hit me about, it took about 10 minutes, but I was like,
1: Wait a minute. But wait. Your practices are in the same place. Yeah. So, Sarah's practice is in Seattle. My practice is in Chicago. Yeah. Cool. Yeah.
0: So, happy anniversary, Sarah. Like mm-hmm. I said, and I know we started this way. One year is insane. Five is like, yeah. One year is like that run as fast as you can, as hard as you can, until right? But it's For not sure. every minute on the minute. It's every second on the second, right? To use a
2: -hmm. CrossFit
0: term for the first year. And then the five year is now okay, go run this marathon, but we're not going to tell you how long it is. That's
2: Mm -hmm. right. (laughs) Exactly. Right.
0: And you just keep running. You're like, are we getting close? You know, we'll let you know.
2: Maybe tomorrow.
0: We'll tell you tomorrow.
2: (laughs) During um 2020, when a lot of folks were like laid off or super frustrated. Maybe they didn't feel safe um practicing in their Yeah,
0: I saw those conversations.
2: we I mean, I don't know what you thought, but I was like, oh, full draw is going to die because nobody wants to start their business in 2020. But we actually like grew quite a bit because people were like, well, screw it. I've always wanted to do this or I don't have any other options. And kind of out of that, we formed our network. So in addition to our courses, we have this membership program, um, which is fun because it's a group of people from like the inception phase all the way through to... I've had my practice for a long time or, and, and it's, we just do like monthly, like a, we call them happy hours or coffee hours. More coffee now hour. it's a yeah. coffee hour. Cause we all work for ourselves. We do it midday um, where we just catch up and talk about, we workshop through problems or talk about wins. Um, and we do, we've done like a book club before. So we are trying to create a community where people can see like, yes, we can help you step by step. We can help you do this, but also there's so many ways to do it. And we just want to be a sounding board. Um, we want to challenge you to think outside of some of the messaging that you're getting, whether that's from clinics you've worked in in the past or people who are telling you like, it has to be this way, or it doesn't count. Um, and then learn from like we want them to all like network together because it's really lonely in small business or like in business. Right. Like as a business owner, this is part of why we form such a close friendship is that you your friends and family at some point are like, we don't care what you're talking about anymore. Like your
0: business, uh, we could, you, know, you. Uh,
2: you know, but like we, they aren't the best resource. And so you yeah. need friendship and not just not just mentorship, but like actual friendship.
0: So let me just clarify real quick, Sarah. These are not necessarily people that have gone through the program or in the program. This is just a group of people. Yes. Okay. I just want to make sure everybody gets that context.
2: So there's just like, that's just like they're, they, it's like a $30 a month membership.
0: And 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 that they'll they'll find that when they look at full draw control. It's
2: super casual. We literally just meet once a month. They all have each other's information. We have a private Facebook group. So that's not... We're not really giving them anything except for community. Oh, now
0: come on, come on! That's well, I Don't don't I don't believe. I don't believe you. And because I'm going to say, don't downplay the, the know, community right. you create, right. the structure you create. Just you know, if community itself was needed, then I'd say right. If it was just the community, I'd say you yes. could say that. But people, people want to come into a little bit of a structure, right? For when we talk about community, it's the structure of it. I believe so. So yeah, you guys, are doing, you guys are doing good stuff there. I like hearing that. So where do people find uh, Full Draw Consulting?
2: So we're on all the social medias as Full Draw Consulting. So Instagram, Full Draw Consulting. Um, and then our website, which is just fulldrawconsulting.com.
0: Cool. And they go there and they can see the different programs. They can see what you guys are doing. Um, how often... Here we go. How often does each of those courses roll out during the year?
2: So the, the 101 course, we really do just kind of repeat it. Okay. So every eight to nine weeks, it'll start. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Week three right now of our current cohort. So the next one will start in September, early September. And then the grow your practice um, is a little less frequent because we, tr- we want to have a group together that can kind of mm-hmm. be on the same page. So maybe a few times a year. Yeah. Okay.
0: And then the membership is open year round
2: 365, right? Cool. And then our consulting calls, like, like I said, we have some people who we meet with monthly forever, you know, or here and there. um, And we do that Whenever. We try to do it where they're two on one, so that they're really getting. That's a really good well, deal. two for one, right? I mean, they're two getting... for one, yeah.
0: <laughs> and and I like the I like the the diversity of what you guys both bring. I think that's awesome for someone sitting on the other side of that. Yeah, so that's cool. Yeah, oh, I love it. What else? What do we forget? Are well, you a Bulls fan, Kate? You a Bears fan? I mean, let's talk about the important shit. Oh God, you really want to talk about the important shit? I mean, um, I
1: Personally, cubs or socks, cubs, definitely oh. cubs.
0: <laughs> I don't know if you saw the ruckus last night, but there was a little. I, I had to remind the cubs that they still suck, even
1: though was. I mean, they're not, not a big having a great year. Yeah,
0: I'm big, right? I love my sports, but I don't like the seahawks mm-hmm. they are, I rarely use the word hate but seahawks come into the hate conversation wow. I don't hate the cubs but I definitely dislike them <laughs> Just so <you> <laughs> What else are we missing out on here what else Well I you, think
2: that it's important to note and I um, we were talking about this this morning that being women in this field oh um,
0: yes thanks for bringing this up
2: um, it's I don't know that it's that rare I think that there are women out there but our approach is such that people uh they kind of are coming to us more organically and and like the way that full draw came to be was not like hey we want to coach people it was we're just busy working in our clinics right and running our own practices and then people are seeing that and want help um and so i sometimes think that we I don't know if it's like, well, could be louder or if we... I need... don't know that
1: it's that. I think, and I think we actually just hit on this earlier where Sarah, you were like, people just want right. community. And Jerry, you were like, no, they no. need structure and they want to hear what you're doing. And I think that that, like, I don't want to overgeneralize, but I think for us, it's kind of like, we talk to these people who approach us and they're like, I want to pick your brain about this. I want to have a conversation. And we want to know more about their practice and we want to brainstorm together. And I think maybe this is us women, maybe this is just us, I don't know. But I think we are much more hesitant to talk about ourselves and say, this is what we did. This is what we think you should do and offer that advice. And I think sometimes men in the business coaching space go the other direction where they're like, this is what I did. This is what you should do. And there's not as much listening and input from what the client needs. So I think we struggle to meet in the middle but I think we swing toward the listening yep. spectrum and not wanting to tell people this is what to do because there isn't a guarantee, right? And that's why we don't offer a blueprint or like this is step by step how to do it. We say these is like this is kind of the framework. <laughs> and then you are going to have a very different individual practice than we have. And that's like we don't that's want right. our 101 course to be like, you don't even need to think about it. Just do this step, do this, follow right. this script. Yeah. And like, we are never going to teach people that. But I think what's tricky is that that's what people want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think sometimes in the business coaching critically. space, it's really attractive to see this message from somebody that says, here's what I did. You can do it too. Just follow these steps.
2: Here's how much it is.
1: And I think being around this more often and seeing people who are really struggling, because we get many clients who are like, I've been trying this for a year. I only have two patients a week. What's mm-hmm. happening? Mm-hmm. And it's because we need this more nuanced look at like, what is what's your what's community? They are you talking to situation. like listening to their problem and what is going on in their practice and I think that is where we all kind of need to work to meet in the middle more, where it's a combination of like, this is what I did, this is what worked for me and telling that story, but also listening and making it more individualized, where it's not just this blueprint of, here's your script, and here's what you need to do.
0: So this is interesting, because I talked about this before we started recording that I wanted to talk a little bit about women consulting, right, in a profession. Um and so, and then I got away from it and I totally forgot to bring it back up because I was so, I, and it is what it is. Um, but I got so caught up in you guys and the work you're doing. I was just excited. And all of a sudden I didn't see, I just see two smart people
1: right. Right, helping
0: other people, right? But right. That's a mistake. So Sarah, you let in with this. So are your clients, is it pretty mixed?
2: Well, we definitely attract more women. Um, We had more of a mix, I would say, when we were teaching through ICE. But I think as full draw, we definitely attract uh, the female entrepreneur. We do have male members and they need us. (laughs) Like the guys need us too. Um,
0: Because they're busy listening to dudes like me all day. So they need a little... (laughs) They need to swing back the other way a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm a lot more forgiving. I'm just going to give myself a little credit. But I'm a lot more forgiving. But I'm a dude. And yes, like I told you, you guys, you're like, hey, let's talk about this. And I'm like, can you get this? Can you get the fuck over this so we can move on? So <laughs> yeah. No, and I get it. And I'm not saying it's just the, the, the guy-girl thing. I'm saying, yeah, I, I, I get it. And there's no two ways about it. I, I have a hard time sometimes. You know, just for con, I, I got to throw this out there again. My, my longest running client is a female business owner who's kicking ass because she implements, right? And what's funny is she very early on said, Jerry, I need your style. I need you just to tell me what to do and don't let me tell you no.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And even I was like, yeah, I don't, you know, but, and that's the way our relationship is. And she's growing and succeeding and scaling up yet, right? It's, I, I don't know how being, I, I'm going to say this out loud. If I, I can't say if I was a female entrepreneur, but I don't know how being a female entrepreneur at this day and age in 2021, I'd be too excited to work with some of the people out there that I see in front of me every day. And there's less women than men. And I think I'm looking pretty closely and there's still less women than men doing what we both are doing. Yeah, yeah.
2: Right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that, um, yeah, I think that's interesting.
1: And I think a lot of what we continuously need to coach people. And it's actually been a lot of conversation between Sarah and I is like, women are generally the women that we talk to in business are very hesitant to talk about money Mm -hmm. and hesitant to talk about wanting to make money. And that is the thing that we need to have conversations about as business owners. And what are your finances? like? We need to make your clinic more money so you can do the things that you want to do with it. And I think (laughs) people are so... Hesitant to talk about that. And I think even us as female business coaches, we don't want to talk to people about how successful financially our practices mm-hmm. are, or how much money we make. Or and I think I see or that how our clients are doing, or no, yeah. and I think that is what is used by male business coaches far more frequently and effectively. Right? Yeah, yeah, and effectively. like we have to tell ourselves that's what people want to hear is I'm gonna make money. And Obviously, there's no guarantee. But I think that that is used much more frequently by male business coaches is like this financial component, right? Of like, my clients have made this much more money working with me. And this is how successful my practice is financially. And I think we're much more likely to talk about how important our practice is to the community and how well we treat our patients of life is. And, yeah. and our quality of life and how well our patients do and how happy we are in our practices, which is very important. And I think that's right. what a lot of women are looking for. And that's why we have these clients. But I think we need to be talking about money more. And I think right. that is where sometimes we talk about like, why aren't we getting these clients? Why don't more people know about us? And I think they know more about the male business coaches. And I think that that's a big component is being willing to talk about financial success and promoting that in your clients and saying you're going to make money and not just you're going to have a better quality of life, even though both of those things will be true. And when we finally
2: start to unravel some of the problems that our clients are facing, when we sit down and look at finances, we end up having to have those conversations with a practice owner to be like, look, you're losing money. Here's how, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it's like, it does come up and we have to get comfortable with it too. And we've had to, you know, create our own ways to kind of form a template so that we can actually see how much money people are losing or making and plug it all in. And it's not arbitrary. It's like, we're literally Mm -hmm. breaking this down for them. And all three of us are sitting on the phone call going like, crap, you're losing money. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's important. And so we do get there. But yeah, like we, we and a lot of other women and, and people in general, but it's hard to talk about money. We don't like it. It's uncomfortable. For
0: Sure. For sure. Yeah. It just, um, I don't know. You know, we're a female dominated profession. But sometimes you got to step back and go. So where are, you know, where are, you um, Yeah. yeah. Uh, Right, where are right? And I got, I didn't get caught up. There, there. This discussion comes up about every nine months. So you know, where are the where are the female business owners? Where are the female leaders? Why are you know where are they missing from? And then breaking down this whole thing of why, right? Well, what what are you know societal everything? What are the responsibilities? What what is some of the stigmas that go with it? So it's just interesting. Um, As I told you guys, I just want to say out loud, it's interesting because this series has more women in it than men. And I didn't do that on purpose, right? I just, I literally sat down and, and wrote out who are the people I want to talk to for the doing it and helping other series. And right. I li- immediately came up with the first two out of four I thought were women. Then the third one was a male. And then the fourth one was a woman. I went, Oh, well, so be it. Let's go with it. Right. And it wasn't because I wanted to do anything other than talk to people like you guys and hear about how you're helping people. And I want to make sure people know how you can help them. So it works out in the end. Um, yeah, it was interesting. And just for context for everybody, you know, I would think, by the way, that you guys would be, you know, 50-50 male and you know but you're not huh? Mm
1: -hmm. in our startup courses i would say that we are yeah okay one-on-one courses courses tend to be more split and then when we get more into the more advanced groups i think that is where we see more interesting
0: interesting yeah so but the not but and the starter course the one-on-one course is pretty much split
2: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's true Yeah.
0: yeah yeah okay cool yeah i don't we don't need to be just at horse, but it's just interesting to me.
2: It's interesting.
0: Um, I've been in the profession a long time and just the things I've seen or or acknowledged and not acknowledged. So it's just interesting. So again, you know, it's cool. You guys are, I love your stories coming together. And this was all the stuff I didn't know. And yeah, um, I'm so happy I had you guys on because this was a great conversation. And I think there are a lot of people out there. So if this helps get the message out, regardless of how tall they are or how short they are, that they can uh, use your help, that would be awesome. So I really thank you guys for coming on and sharing all this stuff with me and uh, letting people know what you guys do. Any? I already said this once, but let's just say it again. Anything else we need to finish up with? No. Yeah. 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 So yeah. your next cohort, well, people are, who knows when people are here. Actually, about the time this rolls out, when's your next cohort roll out from today? Early,
1: Early September. mid-September. Early mid-September. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So about the time this roll out, this will be the time to get your butt onto the full draw consulting website and probably sign up if you're listening to, this, to the one-on-one course. So there you go. So this because this will be rolling out right before. Cool. All right. Thank you, Sarah, and thank you, Kate, for your time. And uh, thanks everybody for listening and again giving your time and energy to the what's best for the patient is best for business podcast. Cheers, all. Thank you for listening today to the podcast. Here's what I want you to do next. Um, if you want to stay in touch or want more information on the doing of all this, then I highly recommend, and I really want you to go over to my YouTube page, Jerry Durham, PT. P-T-J-E-R-R-Y-D-U-R-H-A-M. There is just so much content, videos added weekly. If not daily, and you will be able to bury yourself and immerse yourself into this content and learn all you need to know to start implementing some of the things we talked about today. Second thing I want you to do is just jump in feet first over at my Facebook group. What's best for the patient is best for business daily interactions, right? I'll be there. You can have discussions with other people. You can ask me questions. I post there frequently, post videos. I share information there. So it's a place to stay up to date and be very interactive with other people who have the same goals and mindset that you do and want to create this business, this healthcare practice that will scale and grow and give you financial performance. Cheers, all.